This is Front Office Sports Today. It's Monday, February 6th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter. Today we have some major moves by giant companies and a conversation with star running back Austin Eckler. Let's get started. As we look to the grid now, five lights on ahead of the drivers. It's lights out and away we go. They weren't held Ford is entering Formula One in a partnership with Red Bull. And that one deal speaks to everything that is going on with F1 right now, which in just a few years has gone from a niche interest targeted at European luxury car enthusiasts to one of the biggest sports leagues in the world. The basic F1 story may be familiar to you. It's a series of races in beautiful locations around the world where, unlike most other high-profile motorsports, teams design and supply their own cars. F1's governing body, the FIA, creates parameters and standards that the cars have to meet, but then it's up to each team to build within those guidelines. So it's not cheap to be an F1 team, but it's good for R&D because some of the design elements from the F1 car can be used in consumer cars, and it's really good for marketing because what better way to show off your brand than to have it lapping your competitors with a picturesque French or Italian city in the background. In the last few years, Americans have discovered Formula One in a big way because of the Netflix show Drive to Survive, and now more than ever, car companies want in. F1 wants to get as big as they possibly can in the US, and some F1 teams are leaning into their American identity. Haas, which is American-owned, will have MoneyGram as a title sponsor this year. And I spoke to the Haas team principal, Gunter Steiner, after it happened, and he said they had a lot of interest from companies, but they purposely chose an American one. The Williams team will have an American driver this year. And as of today, actually, they're announcing a deal with Anheuser-Busch to promote Michelob Ultra on their cars. And then there's Red Bull, which was moving toward a deal with Porsche. But that deal got scuttled because it seemed that Porsche wanted more control than Red Bull was comfortable with. And instead, now they're joining up with an American company in Ford starting in 2026. Finally, there's the Andretti family, probably the most storied American racing name, which is seeking to enter into F1 with Cadillac. They'll have to pay $200 million just to get in to offset the revenue dilution to other teams, but most other teams still don't want them. They're saying $20 million per team is not enough. But I also wonder if they're worried that an Andretti Cadillac team is going to feel like America's team, and they're going to soak up all this F1 fandom in the US. Let's switch gears to another rapidly growing company. Fanatics is making its next move as it tries to become the dominant sports consumer platform in the US, and it's not the one I expected. We'll get to that in a sec, but first, let's back up a year. Fanatics grew into a giant in relative anonymity. There's a good chance you've bought something from them without knowing it. They were, and to a large degree still are, the back end of the sports retail world. They have deals with the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, NCAA, NASCAR, MLS, WWE. That's not even the complete list, but you get the idea. If you go to a professional sports game in the US and you buy a jersey or a cap or other merch, there's a good chance it comes from Fanatics. It was a couple of years ago that Fanatics started raising a lot of money and getting a lot more public about what they're up to. They started talking about how they want to break into collectibles, sports betting, maybe broadcasting. They made it clear they have big ambitions and they were leaving their options open as to what exactly that meant. Then pretty soon after, they made their first big move into collectibles. Even though they had never produced a trading card, they managed to get Major League Baseball's trading card deal. And as part of that deal, MLB and the MLB Players Association got some equity in Fanatics Collectibles subsidiary. Pretty soon, Fanatics had similar deals with the NBA, the NBPA, and the NFLPA. And now they also have trading deals with MLS, UEFA, Bundesliga, and Formula One. Some of these are active right now, some kick in in a couple of years. But that first one with MLB was lined up to go to Tops until Fanatics jumped in. And Tops also had a deal to go public through a SPAC merger. 
the value of Topps in that deal was calculated, assuming that the company would continue to be MLB's card supplier, which seemed to be a safe assumption at the time, because for a while they were practically the only game in town. That left Topps in limbo, but that situation was resolved in January 2022, when Fanatics bought Topps for a reported $500 million. And that brings me to their next move. In the second half of this year, Fanatics is launching a collectibles-focused live streaming website and app under a new division of its company called Fanatics Live. I'd heard of the unboxing phenomenon where people open boxes of toys and other stuff and the videos of people doing this are incredibly popular, but I didn't really know it was a thing in the trading card community. But I watched a couple of videos just to get a sense, and there is an inherent suspense to it. I watched one pack opening of a 1952 Bowman set of baseball cards, it's just six cards, and one of them is almost inevitably in bad shape from being smushed next to a piece of gum for the last 70 years. Uh, you can see that the gum has turned some sort of nasty gray. Yep. That's the first thing you see when the pack is opened is a 70-year-old piece of gum. So there's only five cards that aren't affected by the gum, and the one on the back might have gotten messed up by the wax that holds the pack wrapper together. But in the middle, you have a shot for a mantle or a maze, card that could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. The effect these shows have is to get you excited about cards, both as historical artifacts and something you could randomly make you rich. It's like the lottery, but more fun and an actual chance you could win something. And you see these nostalgia-inducing cards of old players. There's also the obsession of the people hosting these shows and opening these packs. They get really particular about the sharp corners and how well the card is centered, and it quickly goes from you kind of chuckling at how excited they are getting about these things to you getting really excited when they open a pack and there's a star player in a perfectly centered card with nice sharp corners. So starting this live streaming channel and app is a really interesting play by Fanatics. This is how they're gonna get people hyped and nostalgic about collectibles, which if it works, will drive up their value and also probably stir up a speculator's market of people looking to combine some savvy and some luck to make some money, which uh, kind of sounds like sports betting. And oh, hey, Fanatics is ramping up its sports betting business as well. It's in its nascent stages now, but it won't be for long, especially if they buy a sports book, which they were reportedly close to doing not too long ago. And what better way to promote your sports betting business than to a group of sports obsessives who are already spending money on sports stuff in an attempt to make money on your own app. Customer acquisition and retention is a huge issue in the sports betting space, and Fanatics may be building a much more efficient way of doing those things. If this works, in a year they could have a collectibles company, retail company, sports betting company, and content house. And you can buy merch and collectibles and place bets all in one app alongside their video content stirring up excitement around all that. They could be a force in the sports commerce world unlike anything we've got right now. All right, coming up is my interview with Los Angeles Chargers star running back Austin Eckler. We talked about the life of a professional athlete who gets tackled for a living and about the truly dizzying number of things he has going on off the field. You'll hear about all of that right after this. Two thousand, two thousand eight, twenty twenty two. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain: it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over thirty one thousand businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on Netsuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. 
What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. All right, Austin, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. So, you know, you're... It's the off season for you. Um, what's your, what's the favorite part of your your favorite part of the off season? Ooh, favorite part of the off season. Um, not getting hit is a, <laughs> is a good one. Yeah, it's definitely a good one. The body gets to heal. Um, that's you know for some longevity in my life that I hopefully have. Um, that's that's nice. You know, having my my body not feeling like I just went through a car accident. Um, but as far as non affiliated football stuff. Um, I would say really just being able to start really giving more attention to building the things that I've been building. So, you know, during the season, it kind of gets put on pause because the main focus is football, but now it really starts ramping back up and I'm actually more busy during the off season than I am during season. I want to ask you about all that really soon, but um, in terms of your body actually recovering, if you go into game one at 100%, if that is a thing, um, that's not. A, that's not a thing. Okay, I'm just wondering, like, Pre-season, how much of that... training camp? Okay, know, yeah. That. So you're you're already you're already <laughs> suffering. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, like, how much can you recover, like, from week to week, Sunday to Sunday? Like, are you like most of the way back? Is it like a steady decline over the the season? There's a steady decline, I would say, for me personally, as far as just my strength, because uh, I'm not lifting as much as I do during the off season. Um, but I'm running a lot more, and so that has some type of decline. But as far as like deterioration of my body, for the most part, I feel like I'm pretty good most weeks. But it just depends on the week, you know. It depends on you know sometimes I got the strain in my side, in my back, my thumbs. You know, maybe there's a little bit worse strain. Maybe I got through good, you know, and I, I feel good coming out of the game. It just really depends, kind of the roll of the dice. You know, there's there's a lot of things that we can't control in the game of football or unlucky people stepping on your foot, you know, got a helmet to the ribs, um, things like that, that it's like, you know, sometimes you just get the short end of the stick and it, it, it's going to linger. And that's the thing, things that would normally take maybe a couple weeks are going to take usually a little bit longer because guess what? You got to practice in two days. So um, suck it up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And as a running back, pretty much every time you do your job, I mean, sometimes you get out of bounds, but like most of the time a success still ends with you getting tackled. So Exactly. So I think I touched the ball like 311 times this year. Um, you know, 20 of those were in the end zone. So if you minus that by 20, like I got tackled like basically 300 some times or 200 some times, right? Um, and so that's that's a lot of times getting you know pummeled to the ground. And you know, if you see me, like I'm not the biggest dude, right? I'm like I'm like I'm like five eight, you know, 195. You know, I'm definitely. Um, you know, in the weight room, so the the body composition is compact, but, you know, I feel the hits for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what you've got going on. What, what's keeping you busy this offseason? you got this new platform launching. So uh, let's get into that. What What is the experience? Yeah. I mean, there's so much that's keeping me busy, but experience is like, it's like my new baby. Um, I've been growing this thing. Just quick backstory. I started this this company called Gridiron Gaming Group, and we basically had a, a group of streamers. We leveraged each other to kind of help promote each other and share our communities. And then I realized while I was streaming that it's, it takes a lot to stream or do a podcast, right? Keep this up. Keep this up. You can't just stop. You got to keep going to keep your relevancy. And so I was like, 
there's got to be a better way for us to connect with our fans uh, and be able to kind of turn it on, turn it off, and kind of offer what we want to offer. It doesn't always have to be this long form or even short form of content. It could be just like, you know, amounts of your time, um, or maybe it is some type of content, you know, and so that's where the idea of experience started. Basically what it is, is a platform for people with a community to offer a menu of engagements, and they can offer what the engagement is, the price for it, and then they can offer that to the community so they can engage. And so when I talk about the menu, we have six different offerings six different topics that you can basically customize under those topics. One is called Sign My Stuff, where you can get things like jersey sign, poster sign. Uh, one is Game With Me, where I can offer uh, slots where I'm willing to play a game with you, and you can jump in there and snag those slots. Video chats, uh, personalized videos, um, and then we have a item shop, and then social media engagement as well. If you want me to shout out, or maybe you know, I've done one where I, I talk some, I I DM'd, I surprised DM somebody and was like, hey, giving them the words of encouragement um, from their other buddy that they bought. So that was pretty cool, like things like that, where it's like I could offer this stuff and I can turn it on and off. And so that's what experience is. What is it about this that um that that is a kind of an expression of you? What I think is important for all people um, that have a community. Um, especially when it's tied to some type of sport or maybe their music or what it's it's tied to something, right? Whatever that interest is. It's like how can you how can you capture that and kind of make it longer than that that event is probably gonna be, right? Whether it's your career, whether it's, you know, your 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 relevancy. Um, how can you capture that time and kind of spread it out? Well, it comes down to you leaving a legacy. Right, and so leaving a legacy is so important. What is a legacy? Your legacy is the memories of people um, that are supporting you, that have you back, that that know you, right? That have been following you through your career. So that's exactly why this is an extension of me, because I've been seeking out to add value to the lives of people around me. And I know through one of those things is is interaction. And I can't interact with everybody, and I don't have the time to actually interact with everybody. And so how can I organize it? Also be able to you know monetize it. Um, in a sense where it's it's actually you know worth the time and actually puts a more of a priority for people because you know money is is time is money nowadays especially for these people that have a lot going on um, and so it's like how can I capture that put it all into one so it helps me it also helps them and then also is able to leave a legacy and that was what experience was so I'm basically trying to capitalize on doing engagements that they wouldn't have access to if I didn't do experience or wasn't on there um, in the past. So now they can actually interact and I can continue to leave that legacy and continue to build onto that brand. So you mentioned that experience is, is the new baby, but what are, what are some of the other, you know, entrepreneurial kids that you've got out yeah. there? Um, I got a big family <laughs> if we're, if we're going to keep it in that realm. Um, my foundation is the next one. Um, the next oldest, I would say, um, as far as the priorities go, yes, the Austin Eckler Foundation. We're actually building a weight room for um, Long Beach uh, Poly High School right now. It's our second weight room we built. Pretty proud of that project. Also, I have a, a few shows that I'm doing. Um, I have Eckler Dome coming up, running that back again. Just finished the first season during the season. I have um, Eckler's Edge that I have going on right now. That's another show. Um, and then I am starting up my own kind of series of content now that we're in the off season. I'm actually going to do a really cool series where uh, I'm going to basically do the measurements again of the pro day draft and all that stuff and finishing my sixth year. And it's going to be like, look, I just got done playing the season. This is where my body's at right now. And I'm going to be doing a series following myself back all the way to peak shape um, before, um, before uh, uh, training camp. And then also have another show where we're going to be talking to rookies um, or potential rookies that are coming in, get their backstory. Um, and so a lot of content that's going on. 
Yeah, yeah. Do you sleep? Like, is there enough hours in the day for all this? Sometimes no, but here's the thing. Like, my my team, the people around me are extremely organized. Like, it, it's it's a necessity. It's a demand for us. We have to be on it. And so we live we live by our schedule, and everything is is really scheduled out strategically. Um, and now I understand when you say you're you're busier in the <laughs> yeah. off season. I guess that's when you can just like fully go at this stuff. Yeah. Uh, are you are you working on this stuff in season a little bit, or is it you kind of yeah, you know? It doesn't stop. But here's the thing: in season, it all gets right. All that is like okay, smush it into really Monday and Tuesday, and there's a little bit of time after every day, um, you know, during the other days. And so, really, I think the priorities really get kind of shrunk down to hey, this is the list. Like during the off season, here's the priority list, right? But during season, it's this big. Um, but I have to continue to push these, and I've kind of built them so that they will consistently be running. And then also there's enough people that are helping me run them and have a hand in it that if I am stepping away because of football, they can pick up the slack or things kind of just, you know, are able to, you know, plateau for a little bit until off season where we start picking it back up again. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, we, we can see that commitment, you know, on the field, but also clearly oh, yeah. off. Um, Austin Eckler, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thanks, Owen. That was Austin Eckler on Front Office Sports Today. Hope you're enjoying the show. You know, that Fanatic story reminded me about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I'd been writing about the collectibles boom and I started thinking, you know, I've got a lot of really good 90s and late 80s cards. So the next time I went to my childhood home, I spent multiple days sorting through all of them, pulling out the Bonds, Maddox cars, Griffey, Grand Griffey Jr., a couple of Jordans in there, Gretzky, you know, some good looking cards, brought them all back in a binder to my home in California, called up a bunch of card company, card stores, and they're like, yeah, your, your 80s and 90s cards, everyone's got a million of those. They are essentially worthless. That's like the one era where it's like, if you've got a like LeBron rookie, you're, you're golden. If you've got like 70s and earlier, awesome, especially if they're in good condition. 80s and 90s that have just been sitting in a cardboard box for forever. Yeah, no thanks. Um, so better luck next time. But hope you're enjoying the show. Leave us a rating or review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we'll see you Tuesday.